been doing a little series in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, a book in the New Testament in the Bible, and we're carrying on with that today. We had a break from it last week, you remember, because it was Mother's Day, and actually we've got a little break coming up as well. We've got some other bits and pieces going on in the next few weeks, leading up to Easter and the Easter holidays, and then Marathon Sunday, uh, and there's a bit of a change. Then we'll come back to Acts, I think, in May. So today's the last one on it so far, but don't panic, it's coming back. So, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Two weeks ago, Chris Nicholson preached. um, And who was here then? Who heard Chris talking about Peter and John before the Sanhedrin? So he was speaking, if you remember, about Peter and John being hauled up before the high priests and all the rulers and elders in the Jerusalem temple and really threatened um, about what they were doing. They'd healed a beggar at the gate to the temple, hadn't they, in the name of Jesus. And uh, the high priests are getting worried And they've hauled them before the temple and warned them and said, you are to stop doing this. You are to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter very boldly says to Annas and Caiaphas, these incredibly powerful men, he says, you decide who we should obey, you or God. Pretty brave, hey? And he comes back. And we pick up the story uh, now where he comes back. Peter and John come back and, uh, and report back what's been happening so I'm gonna, it's going to come up on the slide and we're going to read it together. On their release, so Peter and John have been released from the Sanhedrin. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, that all the people, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay, that's our passage for today. So what's happened is Peter and John have been called before the temple. They've been threatened. They've escaped with their lives. I think they were probably in fear of their lives, and they've escaped with their lives, but they've been warned not to continue with what they're doing. We pick up the story as they come back, and they say, this has just happened to us. And the response, interestingly, of the people is to pray. That's always a good response, isn't it, to anything, uh, particularly opposing threats, is to pray, but they don't pray for deliverance from the threats. They don't pray for things to change. They pray for God to enable them to keep on speaking in the name of Jesus. That's what they do. So they've been threatened, you mustn't do this anymore, and they, they pray, actually, God, give us the boldness just to carry on. And what does God do? He pours out his Holy Spirit again, so much so, and this is quite unusual, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I haven't, that the place shakes, the actual physical place shakes with the power of God as God comes. They're filled with the Spirit and the result is they preach with boldness. 
So that's the story, and this is what we're going to look at, maybe not what you're expecting. But I was really struck by the, the uh, beginning of this passage. It says, Peter and John went back to their own people. And that's where we're going to start. And I thought about that phrase, and I thought, well, um, other translations of the Bible change that. They say things like they went back to the other believers, or they went back to their friends, one translation says. But the original language that it was written in is, is more accurately says, to their own people. This is the New International Version, happens to translate it quite accurately there. So their own people. And I got to thinking, well, who does that mean? Who are they? Who have they gone back to? Who are this group of people who've prayed and been filled with the Spirit in response? And uh, I thought about our own people. Like um, I was questioning myself, who are my people? Who do I think of as my tribe, you might say? We all have groups of people, don't we, that we identify with, that we feel part of. And I started thinking, well, who's my tribe? Who's my people? And I thought, you know, we all have family and we come from. Some of us have families that we're now bringing up our own. We have uh, our nationality. Some people have a very strong sense of identity and where they come from. You might have a very strong sense of belonging because of a football team or a, a sports team or something like that. There's real tr- tribal identity, isn't there, sometimes in things like football. And it got me thinking. I thought, well, you know, Peter and John and all the other believers here, their identity at this point was absolutely, solidly sunk into their Jewishness. So they were, uh, their faith was Judaism, they were Jews. And it, it just reminded me, actually, some of the things we miss when we read the Bible in our context is that everything about their lives, their beliefs, their uh, family, their behavior, their uh, intellect, every, everything would have been sunk into the fact that these guys were Jews. It was a very strong identity. That was their tribe, if I can put it like that. But you know what's happening here when Luke writing in Acts says they went back to their own people is he's not saying that. He's not saying they went back to the Jews in a, in a multicultural city. He's saying something else because at this point in history, what we are seeing is the emergence of a new tribe, a new identity, a completely new thing. It's what I've called the new community of God for today. And this is amazing, actually. I don't know if we can capture this, but these guys are on the cusp of the most incredible world-changing thing as the church of Jesus Christ is being born. As out of a national faith identity of Judaism, there's, being a, there's a new people being born. And as we find out, as we go on and read the book of Acts, it's not just for Jews, it's not just for the Old Testament people of God, it's for everyone and anyone The new community of God is being born. And this is the moment we're reading in Acts. This is the moment when it's all starting to happen. Peter and John went back to their own people, this band of people who are identifying themselves now by something new. By something new. By this, if you like, this burgeoning, what we might call um, Jesus movement. At this point, it's never been called the church. Um, Luke, I think, uses the word first in the next chapter. But to us, the church is a very familiar idea. Here it's just beginning, it's just being born. And it got me thinking about my identity and my tribes and who I identify with and who I feel I fit in with and who I feel safe with. And of course I realised that just like Peter and John and these others in this room that we've just read about, 
Everything else about their identity has just been trumped by this new emerging community of God. And that's true of me. It's true of you if you're a believer. So when I think about my people, actually, it's, it's you guys. It's all of you out there. You are, you're my people. We're one another's people. Yeah? We are the new community of God. We are the church. It started here. As we know, it's carrying on throughout the whole of human history. It will carry on. The people of God growing, being added to, new believers, new people identifying with this Jesus movement. So that's who we are. That's who they were. Who else were they? This new community of God just emerging as we read in the Acts. It says as well as we read, Peter and John came back, they reported all, of hap- all that happened, and then they prayed with one voice. Now, it doesn't mean they all prayed at the same time, I don't think, because it's quite a long, intricate prayer. What it means is, and the different translations again bring out different parts of this, is that they were of one mind or of one voice. They were united together. They came together and together they agreed What do we do? We pray. How are we going to respond to this threat? I'm guessing a lot of them were pretty scared, actually. Um, I would be. Peter and John have just been threatened with their lives, and this thing is taking off, and there's lots of opposition, and opposition from the most powerful people in their old tribe, the high priests and the elders and rulers at the temple. But together they they are of one mind, of one voice. And you know, when I talk about following Jesus, and sometimes I, pr- I pray this quite a lot, actually, in my own life, I have these, this phrase about wanting to be single-minded and wholehearted about following Jesus. You've got to go those the right way around. Sometimes I get them mixed up. That's not so good. Um, single-minded and wholehearted about following Jesus. And that's what came to me again when I thought about this. They are single-minded. Now, we live in a very... Well, I I do. I come from a culture that's very individualistic. Some of you don't. And when I think about being single-minded, I think about myself, probably, and being determined and being set on a course. You know that song you sing, Kids Club? I've got my mind made up and my heart is set. I'm going with Jesus all the way. It's like, it's about me. But actually, here we, we find this community of people are of one mind or of one voice. They're single-minded together. And that's that. That challenged me a bit. I thought, oh, I'm so individualistic in the way I think. A cultural norm that I just swallow, hook, line, and sinker sometimes. But together as the community of God, there they are. They're united in purpose, and they're united with one mind and one voice as they pray together. And we get the chance to do that tonight, of course, and many, many other times to join together, acknowledging that we are together the community of God with one purpose and one mind, single-mindedly together. So there we are. We see this new community. It's, it's just emerging. It's exciting. There's something fresh bubbling up here in Jerusalem, which we know is going to go viral, as they say these days, across the world. And the third thing that I noted from the passage, I'm going to go back to the reading, actually, for you, is that they pray, and the first thing they say is, Sovereign Lord. Or some translations say, master of all. The thing that unites this new community of God, primarily, first and foremost, is that they submit together under one Lord. Sovereign Lord, they say. 
You made the heavens and the earth. They, they know who he is and they submit together to God. And that's who they are. You see, there's great benefit and there's great value in being a part of the church. It's funny that because that's God's design and there's always some great benefit in God's design. But the most important thing about being part of the church of Jesus Christ is that he's Lord. That we individually and corporately submit to his lordship. We acknowledge he is the master of all. He is the sovereign Lord. It's the biggest and most important part, isn't it? The Bible uses loads of different... I was just thinking about trying to come up with new metaphors or new pictures of what it means to be part of this community, the new community of God that we can see in Acts. And then I thought, you know what, you don't need to come up with new ones, do you? Because <laughs> the Bible's got quite a few already, which are really helpful. You know, the, the, the Bible talks about us being, the, the church being family. And actually, sometimes to us, I think, in our 21st century London way, maybe we find it a bit, sometimes we, we find it a bit old-fashioned when preachers address the congregation as brothers and sisters maybe it's a bit too Pentecostal for some of us but it's totally biblical we are brothers and sisters we are family and I don't just mean I hope you realize I don't just mean us in this room I don't just mean City Hope Church I mean the church of Jesus Christ I mean the global what what the creed calls the Catholic doesn't mean Catholic with a big C it means the broadest the global, the church through history, the church across the world, the church across denominations are the people of God, the family of God. Another picture that the New Testament uses for church is um, a body. Even more uh, close, really, if you think about it, all parts of one human body. There's no getting away from each other there, is there? There's no getting away from your hand or your ear we're a body and Christ is the head. And the other uh, picture that came to my mind is, is as the temple where God lives. And the Bible talks us about it's like we're all stones being built on top of one another to create a place for the spirit of God to live, for Jesus to be lifted up, for God to live. That's the new community of God. We're part of it. I find that really exciting. I find it most exciting because on our own, it, would be, it wouldn't be great, right? But it's God's design. And amazingly, really amazingly, the Bible also says that God uses the church to show to the powers that be in heavenly places. That means there is a spiritual realm that we don't see and there are powers at work in that realm. And God uses the church to show them his glory. So baffling, isn't it, in a way? When you look at us, I don't know, I can see you, but (laughs) it's a bit baffling, isn't it? But it's God's wonderful design. He births in this moment in Acts, this new community who are emerging. Uh, It's all new. They don't really know what they're doing, right? But they know what has happened. They know that Jesus has died. They've seen him rise again. They've seen him ascend back to heaven, as we heard at the beginning of Acts. And they've received, as Jesus said they would, the Holy Spirit, power from on high. Why does Jesus say they'll receive power from on high? To be my witnesses, he says. 
so that this incredible new community that's emerging is going to just go viral. It is going to do just that. You're going to tell people about it, and it's going to go crazy. It's going to spread in ways you could never have dreamt. I think Peter, I don't know what happens when you die and whether you, you know, whether there's any sense that Peter's got any idea that's going, what's going on on the earth at the moment or he'll just find out when we all meet at the last judgment. I don't know. If Peter could see how big the church is now, just think, wow, how, how, how thrilling would that be? You know, there they were, just a few of them, uh, praying for boldness, just keeping going. And now the new community of God is just spreading. So there's a few thoughts about what or who who these guys are, who these people are. And then out of that identity, if you like, out of that sense of who they are, we find out what they do. We find out what they do. And the first thing they do when they get together is they pray. But what do they do? They pray the scripture. They open their mouths to pray. And what comes out? Scripture. So, and that challenged me. That should challenge you. When you open your mouth to pray, what comes out? Do you know the scripture? Do you know what God says in his word? We know that um, the Apostle Paul said, didn't he, in the New Testament, he said, all scripture is like breathed out by God and it's really good for us. It's good for everything that we need. Do we know the scripture enough? Is it living us? Like these guys, they open their mouths and out comes the scripture and they pray the scripture. And they know, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, those of you who were here, we're talking about the providence of God and how confident we can be in what he says in his word. And that's exactly what these guys do here. They go back to what they know is in the scripture. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's a quote from Psalm 146, just a little bit there. We know who you are. We've read it. We know it. We go back to it. We get our confidence from it. We understand the world and what is happening from scripture not from culture, not from our Jewishness even, although the Bible is obviously very Jewish. We understand it because this is our benchmark. Yeah, this is our benchmark. We, we, otherwise, we're all over the shop. We've just been threatened with our lives. What are we going to do? Well, we look to the scripture. We know what God says. I encourage you to get stuck into the scripture. If you don't know how, get some help. Do it together with other people. But it is vital that we know what our God says, what he thinks, what he has promised. It also says, uh, Peter, is it Peter who says? I think it's in one of Peter's letters. He says, we know that when the scriptures were written, they were not just written by men. They were written by people inspired by the Holy Spirit. They are God's word to us. This is what the new community of faith do. They look to the scripture and they know with confidence that that's the benchmark for the way we understand things. They've just been threatened because as they pray, David, a thousand years ago, has written in the Psalms, why do the nations plot and rage? Why? And rulers and uh, kings band together against the anointed one. David's written that nearly a thousand years beforehand and then they say, and look, we're just seeing it happen right here and now in our own city. King Herod, Roman governor, Gentiles, people of Israel, everyone has conspired against Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. But we knew that would happen. David has told it a thousand years before, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're not phased. We may be scared 
but we're not phased. We know that the sovereign Lord is in control. In fact, they say, don't they, it's only happened because you, you allowed it to happen. They've only done these powers and authorities. What, what does it say? What your power and will determined beforehand should happen. Sovereign Lord. They are so confident in the face of opposition because they know what God says. So out of their identity of who they are, what do they do? They look to the scripture. They belong to God. They look to his word. What else do they do? They pray. When they get together, their first thought is, we need to pray. I think we would be feeling the same in this situation. And I hope we're feeling the same all the time. When we get together, when we're on our own, when we're in twos and threes, when we bump into somebody in the shops, when we are together tonight, when we're here, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to know that uh, our identity as the people of God comes not just from who we are, but whose we are. You know, we belong to him, that sovereign Lord over us. He's the one who brings us together. He's the one who makes us family. And therefore, we need to talk to him. That seems like quite a natural outcome to me. We need to talk with him, not just to him. Let him talk back. Take some time to let him respond. Pray. And as we've already looked at, what they pray is they start with they praying scripture because they know what they know, what they know about God from the scripture and therefore they can pray with confidence enable your servants to preach with boldness come and strengthen us oh god by your spirit they pray earnestly i'm sure what they also do and this is a bit cheeky because they don't do it god does it but they do be filled with the holy spirit doesn't really work does it what do they do when they look to scripture and they pray they are filled and we've heard um, a few weeks ago about pentecost when for the first time the believers, the new, this new community, are filled with the Holy Spirit in an amazing way. As told by the prophet Joel, there would be a time. And Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, you wait for the Holy Spirit. He's going to come in power and you're going to be my witnesses. It happens in chapter 2 of Acts, if I can put it like that. But here again, they pray, oh God, enable your servants to preach with boldness. And what happens? He fills them with his spirit again. The Holy Spirit comes again in power. He comes again to us time and time and time again to envision and embolden and refresh and comfort and heal and sustain. Doesn't he? God the Father is not here in this room and Jesus is not here in this room. But by his spirit... He lives in us. He enables us to preach the word with boldness. He enables us to keep going. He enables us uh, to, be, to know his comfort. He enables us to read the scripture and understand it. He's the one. He's the one who goes with us, who fills us. And just encourage you. Um, this is something I've had from a very great friend, Denise Brown, who for, for a long time... I've thought of Denise in these situations where life is just going on. You're going through the day. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's tough. And there's just that, oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Just now I need you. Uh, that, those kind of just through the day, knowing, acknowledging I need God. I need more of his spirit. I need him just right now give me boldness to do this. Right now give me courage. Right now give me sensitivity for this situation, God. Right now enable me to 
to be what you want me to be, be the best version of me that I can be to serve you and your purposes. Yeah, just fill me with your spirit. It's a prayer we should be praying all the time because I don't know about you, but I need him and I need that constant touch of refreshing. And here the Holy Spirit comes in such power, the place shakes. Wouldn't that be fun? Fancy that? A bit scary, I imagine. The manifest presence of God, so amazing that the room you're in shakes. I've never been in an earthquake. Anybody been in an earthquake? Oh, yeah. Um, last year, you were in one, weren't you? Whew. That could, my, my must be scary, but I reckon that's probably not as scary as knowing that the, the God of heaven is shaking the place that you're in. Wow. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what characterizes this people. Do these things characterize us? Well, they do because we are the community of God. In case you didn't see where that was going. We are the family of God. They do characterize us. But let's be, let's be earnest like these guys we read about. Look to scripture. Pray. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they speak the word of God boldly, it says. Now, I was challenged when I read this scripture because Chris preached the, a couple of weeks ago about how bold Peter and John were. Do you remember? They'd seen that Annas and Caiaphas, these high priests, had so much power. They were the ones who drove... Uh, the cause of the, of, of the killing of Jesus Christ. They were the ones who made it happen. They didn't have enough power to actually uh, do the execution or make that happen, but they had enough power to influence. They're very powerful in Jerusalem at the time. Uh, they're like the council of elders and leaders, the Sanhedrin. And they were very powerful. They, Peter and John knew what they could do, but they just didn't care that much. They went before them with such boldness and said, do you know what? God says we should preach in the name of Jesus, so we're going to do what he says, and off they go with it. And although they've done that, and they've healed the guy at the gate to the temple, just knowing all the trauma and drama that was going to create amongst the community, they then interestingly come back and pray for boldness. I'm thinking, you're already pretty bold, guys. They pray for boldness, and then the result is they get boldness, and they go again. They speak the word of God boldly again. And again, and again, and again. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, which I hope some of you are doing, or have been doing, you just see that, don't you? Again and again. With boldness, they preach the word. Why? Because they know who they are, and out of who they are, this is what they do. This is what we do. It's like, um, you know, what's a Christian? Well, if somebody asked you, what's a Christian? Uh, We might say things like this. Well... They're part of a body of people worldwide who have one purpose and one set of beliefs and who are united under one Lord. He is everything. We submit to him. A Christian is someone who surrendered to the sovereign lordship of God. So what does a Christian do? You know, what, what do they do? Well, they read the Bible. They trust it. They believe it. They pray. They commune with God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and they spread the word. That's what we do because of who we are. I've just got a little question, a little survey quickly for you. So if you're the sort of person who naturally, like, so forget this for a minute, in your personality, you'd consider yourself quite bold, sort of a brave person, don't mind standing up in front of people, have a go at anything, quite adventurous, a bit like John Greenway. I would put myself in this camp. It's not right or wrong, it's just a personality thing. Can you stand up if you identify with this fella? 
If you're a, if you're, you, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just who we are, right? If you're, if you're the, that sort of person, you'll have a go. You're fairly brave. Good, yeah, I'm up there. Thank you, guys. Sit down. And for those of you who are maybe a bit more sensitive, a bit more reserved, maybe a bit quieter and a bit less quick to speak, maybe you don't fancy the idea of being in the centre of attention, a bit more like this little fella here. Can you stand up? He's much cuter, isn't he? He's very cute, you've got to say. Okay, sit down. Do you know, the point is, folks, I hope you get the point, that if you are part of this community of God, you are bold. You can speak the word of God boldly. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and say, yeah, this is who I am and it's what I do. I spread the message. It's gone viral, if you hadn't noticed, all around the world for the last 2,000 years. But there's still many, 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 many more people, aren't there, who need to know, who need to hear what we sang earlier. God saves Our God saves. Jesus saves. He saves us from sin. He saves us from hopelessness. He saves us from death and an eternal death. He saves us. He doesn't just forgive us because of the cross and what we heard about communion. He doesn't just forgive us, but he redeems everything about us into this incredible new life of hope, fullness of life, purpose, eternal hope. He saves us into so much as well as out of so much, doesn't he? So we've got to tell people, all those people around us, we can speak the word of God boldly. I know we can. Who now, who now thinks they're a lion? Come on. We all, the idea is, if you're a believer, if you're part of this new community of God, you are the guy with the mane. Where is he? There he is. We can speak the word of God boldly. I'm going to pray for us in a minute, but... Just finally, there might be some people here who know that you're not yet a part of this incredible community united by Christ. Just to say, it's not because it's not we're great and it's not because we've done anything and it's not because it's a great idea that anybody has had. It's because this is God's way. This is God's plan. So Jesus is the one who we look to. He's the one that we lift up, not the church. But this is his way. This is his way of saying, tell the whole world what's happened. Tell the whole world of this hope. Like Peter and John, you can be brave because there's something so much more important than all the other tribes that you belong to. There's actually something more important because it's eternal, because it's forever, because it's what God says. And so if if you're not yet part of that family, that tribe, that new community of believers, you can be. Because the door has been opened to all of us. That's why we're here. Not of our own merit. It's not to do with certain style or certain place you're from. We're from all over in here. And there's many, many different personalities and types of people. But because of Jesus, this new community that's been born is open to all comers. But it does require, just so you know, it does require everything As I said earlier, it does require submission to the Lordship of Christ. It does require that we surrender and we join in this bigger thing. It's so much bigger than us. We're going to stand and pray. If that's you and you think, well, this sounds like I'd like to get in on this this community. I'd like to get in on knowing the Lord of heaven, sovereign Lord. 
then we're going to chat afterwards. But you can pray now as we pray as well. And just tell God that. And if you do that, then I just encourage you, do come and chat to one of us at the end, one of the leaders you've seen up here, or one of the prayer team who's going to be here at the end. Just come and say, well, I'm interested in knowing more about that, and I think I'd like to talk to somebody. Please do come and do that. Right, shall we stand? I'm just going to pray for us. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You know everything. You spoke of old through uh, your servant, the father David. You knew that um, kings and rulers and peoples would conspire against you and against the Lord Jesus to kill him. You knew what you were doing. You knew that your rescue plan was complete. You knew that through the death and resurrection and ascension and glorification of the Lord Jesus, your spirit could be poured out on all people, regardless of tribe or identity, regardless of faith group or, or nationality. Lord, you had a plan and a purpose, and your plan and purpose will always be fulfilled. Lord, I thank you for scripture. I thank you that in it we find understanding about what's going on in the world. In it we find confidence to trust you. Lord, in it we find illumination for life. It's so good. We thank you for it, Lord. And we thank you for the church. I thank you that you would design this, this family of people, being built together like stones, working together like a body, always keeping you, Lord Jesus, at the head. It's amazing. Lord, we're so privileged. We're so grateful to be here today. Lord, we say, uh, help us. We want to be what you want us to be, Lord. We want to look to your word. We want to pray. We want to keep being filled with your spirit. We want to preach with boldness the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray now, Lord God, come to us and fill us with boldness again. Fill us with boldness again. We want the gospel truth to be in our mouths. Lord, we want our, um, as a church here together, we want to be of one mind and one voice in purpose of preaching the word and of serving and seeking your kingdom. Lord, together we want to do that and we pray, would you come to us, give us great boldness. Anoint us now, Lord, with power and boldness to preach the word. Lord, to go and to speak and to, to chat. And as we do so, to have in our minds actually what the apostles prayed, that you would continue to stretch out your hand, Lord God, and perform wonders. As we speak with boldness, you perform wonders. Lord, I think sometimes the first one's missing, so the second one doesn't happen. But Lord, we say, give us boldness, that we would preach the word with boldness and your hand would, would stretch out to heal and perform wonders and signs around us, that the world would see that you are indeed the sovereign Lord above all. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us and in us. Thank you, God, that by your spirit you go with us. We want our weeks, our days, and our months to, to count as we serve you and seek to glorify you in everything we do. Amen.